Hi, I'm Tony Fair, founder of Victorian Grooming Company. Is your beard feeling dry or the skin underneath itchy? Maybe you'd rather soften and tame your beard instead. Our classic collection of beard oils, balms, and soaps will leave your beard looking, feeling, and smelling amazing. And if you prefer shaving, our pre-shave oils and shave soaps will give you a smooth and razor burn free shave. Handmade in Edmonton with natural ingredients, visit victoriangrooming.com. Craig here. Welcome to another edition of the podcast, Tell Craig Your Story. Today we'll be speaking to Jason Aird. Now this is the second time Jason has been on the show. Now Jason is the founding member of the Met Club Legacy unofficial page on Facebook. He has toured with Metallica for over 20 years, going to all parts of the world. And he is on the show again today to talk all things Metallica. But before we go, please go to our website. We're at Podbean. Tell Craig your story at podbean.com. We are on all the social medias at Tell Craig Your Story. And we are on WeChat for our Chinese listeners and VK for our Russian listeners. We also have a link tree there which tells you where Tell Craig Your Story podcast is streaming. We are on all the major podcast streaming services. I'd also like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Malvina Things. There you can find them on Instagram at Malvina underscore things and www.malvinathings.com. All right, here we go. This is my chat with Jason Aird, where we talk all things Metallica on Tell Craig Your Story Podcast. <laughs> Hi, Jason. How are you doing today? Uh, how are you, buddy? How are you? <laughs> to see you again. <laughs> I think this is my second time on this, <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah, first person to actually come on for the second time. So I really, really, really appreciate it. It was the number one most downloaded of all the podcasts that I've done so far. So. Yeah, the band and yourself. You do a great job, buddy. I love 
eclectic group of people, really interesting, great idea. You're doing a really great job. Really proud of you, buddy. No, no big ass for you and doing well. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, so it's more depth and a lot more layers in. Yeah. In, yeah, I mean, I, I love that personally myself. So, I mean, yeah. again, great job, bud. You're doing a great job. Thank you. So let's uh, start off where we where we left from those uh, the last podcast that we had. So we were <laughs> <laughs> the tour that never was, and wow. uh, we we I come from uh, the Philippines, um, away from South Korea, and flew into Perth. You come in from from Newey. We came in and. Uh, you know, we had a look around, did a sightseeing. Yeah. Then we did the podcast, which was just amazing. Awesome, yeah. Just, just two guys just sitting down talking about a, a common, a common interest. Yeah, it turned out, in my opinion, it turned out really, really good. So, nice. let's talk about after that. So I went back home. You sort of continued on and went with the Met Club. So talk, talk to us about that. Well, that was obviously following the Metallica schedule, so yes. uh, ended up going to South Australia next, and then per, uh, Melbourne, then to um, to Sydney. So there was a group of hardcore Metallica fans, if that's how you want to label them, and yes. we sort of met up, caught up throughout that time, and did a lot of tourist-orientated things, but again, just trying to make the most out of the situation, buddy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And- and I, I remember the last day in Perth, uh, going to the airport, and uh, I went past the stadium. The, all the lights were on. There's just this empty, <laughs> empty arena, full of lights. Yeah. And, you know, I was like, ah, damn it. <laughs> what, what never was, yeah, it was yeah, it was a challenge. But in saying that, when the Melbourne as the Melbourne part of the tour, we um, Melbourne Militia did a great job. And just while we're on Melbourne Militia, can we just send out a cheerio to everyone from Melbourne, particularly Lana and Daniel, yes. Danny and Pierce, they're doing it really tough. So just on that part, stay, hang in there, guys. So what they really did well was um, they got the Australian Metallica tribute band, Demi Jink, oh, and yes. we had a, they had shows, which were really great. Again, just staying connected, making the most out of the situation. So that, yeah. that, that was really great. That was Absolutely. really great. And I'll give a shout out to Mark Hill. Haven't heard from him for a while, but Adam Bricknell and Rick Lee. I hope you guys are doing well. Keep safe. Metallica hardcore fans to the bone as well. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Now, before that, I don't think we mentioned it last time in the podcast, but uh, mm. they released the SN2 at the movies. And yeah. I actually didn't get a chance to watch it, but you got a, you, you went a couple of times to, to watch it. So what did you think about that? I've heard some opinions of the, the audio wasn't the best, like, like the mix. So what was your opinion of, of that? Yeah, there was obviously challenges to getting things out from a September date to October. So, I mean, your, yeah. your editing, your sound arrangements, et cetera, et cetera, was always going to be a challenge. So, I mean, I found the theatre release great. I mean, yeah. it's reliving a moment. I thought they did that really well. I mean, Metallica, again, capturing live shows has been one of their strengths. So, I mean, yeah, I, I found it great. I mean, there were a couple of issues here and there, but um, yeah, no issue on that front. Uh, yeah. Now, talking about SNM2, uh, we talked only a small bit about it, but you went there. You were lucky enough to get the ticket for the second show, right? 
Yeah, yeah, the the uh, Met Club Only show. Yeah, let's start the process. Basically, they obviously announced the 20-year anniversary of original S&M. Yeah. So basically, on the back of Hardwired, Self-Destruct, which is probably the possibly uh, their most popular album since the Black Album, to be yeah. honest, dating back 20 years itself, it just created mass hysteria. It was, I don't think in the 30 years that I've been listening to the band that I've seen anything like that in, in, in regards to fans wanting tickets, etc. So they announced the date, 6th of September. So obviously the uh, show went on sale and then there was issues with tickets and arrangements mm. at the Met Club and it really turned into a really difficult situation for the band. So then went into a reselling process as well. So oh. murky water. Yeah, so, apparently, apparently they, they sent out the wrong uh, Q, uh, wrong code for the Met Club fans and they weren't able to access to the tickets and then all of a sudden they were sold out. There, there was obviously those type of issues with yeah. uh, pass codes within reselling markets with ticket Ticketmaster. Yeah, and it just got highlighted and obviously a lot of people were not happy, um, again, with the the, the level of desperation and hysteria around the show. So as that sort of filtered in and progressed and, and progressively got worse amongst the fan base, uh, what happened was was the band got got notification and, and then they announced the second show. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just credit yeah. to the band for doing that. I don't think a lot of bands would have done the second show just for the fan club. But again, it just goes to show how how pa- uh, passionate the, the fans are all around the world. We may as well talk about the release of the, the CD, vinyl as well, and DVD and Blu-ray. Oh, there we go. Yes. This is the club uh, deluxe box set. It's finally arrived. It arrived. It took a while to get down under, but it did get here, so <laughs> yeah. I can't complain. Really great in terms of what you just mentioned, incorporating all those elements from your Blu-ray to your LPs to your CD and a lot of art and graphics and some pics and some actually used some um, sheet music as well, which was quite interesting. Now, were you one of the winners to, to get that opportunity? It's not the signed box set. So there was a signed box set, which was the next level above this one, if you want to use that word level. But, yeah, I mean, that's just the deluxe box set, which is great in itself. There was original sheet music, which was signed by the band itself, which was um, through a lottery process, which you had to pay for, but still a great great opportunity to have that in in your uh, collection, for sure. So, So going to the gig, San Francisco, not the first time you've been there. So was there any sort of Met Club uh, parties or, or get-togethers before that show? Or? We had the two dates, so you had the 6th and the 8th of September. So they actually had a, in, a night between party, which, which was absolutely brilliant. It was actually unofficial to a degree, but it included Ray, there was Ray Burton, there was a whole different range of guests. But, it, I mean, it was a combination of just the whole congregation of whole uh, – fan base from all over the world and yeah. they had um an american uh cover band i was just a really brilliant night it was and a big night can i just yeah. add that? <laughs> so i was catch up and reacquaint with old friends within the met family but then just probably more importantly just even making more new new friends within the metallica family itself so really really brilliant night between the two shows so they did that brilliantly so what, yeah. what you saw, was there, 
you know, they're always asking the question in the in the set, who are the new people that are here? Did you sense that or was it mainly just old school sort of supporters going there? Well, I only went to the Met Pipe only show and that apparently between the two the, from people that actually went to two um, was miles apart. So, again, that was only for legacy members through the Met Club. So right. the atmosphere was just, yeah, it was great. But one of those experiences that you look back on and go, wow, that was, that was um, definitely like uh, an experience, not just more than just a show. Yeah, yeah. So if you look back, if, if you backdate things and contextualise the two shows, if you go back to the original in 99 and then the 20-year span, you know, that's a lot of ground to cover. So the original really, when you think about it back in that date and you and you actually time time stamp that on the back of the load era, the musical directional change. Yes. The, the, yeah, particularly the image issues. There was so I mean, SNM original really didn't start at one initial point to where it was really looked at like, wow, this is like absolutely amazing. I think that's become so iconic uh, over a period of time. So then your your twenty year span into SNM two. I mean, just the expectation was so high yes. and then you add the polish and you add the elements of a band of that stature and that level was really, really interesting. And to open up a new stadium as well, the, the, the yeah. Chase Stadium, it just all sort of come into one, right? That's exactly right. So you're in a massive new arena. If you Again, if you you want to do comparable terms to S&M Original, you're, you're in a uh, Berkeley Theatre. It was... Um, up at 4,000 women, it's so yeah. very small. I mean, I'm in a unique situation, so I actually went to the original. Nice so, I mean, yeah. again, the expectation, uh, uh, it was sort of, wow, what are they doing? And there was a lot of question marks about the decisions they were making, so it was completely different. So you went in with a completely different expectation. I can very vividly remember them opening the set in 99 and it was like when the orchestra started and it was like and i can remember vividly just standing there and even my ex-wife at the time that wasn't a fan was like wow yeah just massive walls of sound from two genres that are so powerful and again the band at that time 99 they were a lot younger a lot more fresher there was so much energy and it was so raw and, and powerful and then you go into 20 years later into into um, SNM two, yeah, it's the polish and the show and everything spells and whistles and uh, uh, again, as as you rightly say, the opening new uh, a new arena that for, for the home of the Golden State Warriors yes. in San Francisco. So there was political overtones with, you know, the mayor of the city when they they did a big whole um, opening of, of the the stadium, uh, the arena, etc., leading into the show. So. I mean, just a l- another level again. So comparing the two is really difficult. I don't, I don't think, I don't think you can actually really compare the two. I think they're two separate events from totally different eras. Twenty years is a very long time to really make comparative terms. Definitely, and yeah, and I think yeah. with the the first one, I don't think there was much talk uh, about it. Like it was more uh, the hardcore fan would definitely go and watch it and very limited tickets as well like only yeah so again it was a four thousand seat community theater in a university i think on on the east in the east bay in san francisco got our tickets through the met club fifty dollars a ticket so i mean we just incorporated a, a holiday the west coast driving tour and 
Metallica actually playing. So our expectations was like they're playing with the orchestra. I'm not by any means a, a fan of that genre or had any sort of inkling in and around that type of music. So it was just while we were there. I mean, yeah. and then we met some fans and it was all pretty low-key. And then obviously the show itself really, really changed your perspective on that. So yes. and that's where it sort of took off and, and breathed a whole different life into that show because even songs off because it was so low reload era bass um yes. songs within the the set was itself songs like outlaw torn just breathe that song just become so iconic through that show itself and then you and no leaves clover that one show so yeah. i mean again it was just and even james himself because a lot of questions around talica doing something with the orchestra you know they've gone mad you know I'm mean, the change of direction, you know, they've so like that. And James even says sarcastically through the show, uh, you know, the rock band with the symphony, hey, uh, you know, was it sort of a joke, <laughs> you know, like within, within the band itself. But I think they had the confidence to do it at that particular time and to do it 20 years later was always going to be a challenge and try and challenge themselves and their fan base not to create something very similar but to sort of take it into another direction. I think they achieved that to a, to a degree. Definitely, and that was that was one of the things. As much as I love the first one, I just thought that it was maybe too many, too many songs off the the load and reload era. I mean, that that was what they were touring for. I understand that. Average fan is looking at the set list and going, "Oh, where's Unforgiven? Oh, where's Fade to Black? Where is you know what I mean?" Um, yeah. To an average fan. I mean, that's good that they're playing these other songs. I'm glad that for the second one that they sort of switched up a few songs and then they had a couple of other, obviously, another albums to sort of pick yeah. from. So in your opinion, what do you think the songs worked and what songs, in your opinion, sort of didn't work? Well, let's start this way. So they included 10 songs from the original show. So then right. that, so there was 10 songs from the original show so they had an original score from michael Kamen. so he was the original composer so the change from um the original into snm2 was um they played seven new songs talica songs and two orchestra pieces so the two orchestra pieces were the orchestra only and one was a, a combination a collaboration of, the, of metallica and the orchestra so there was nine new, nine new songs within the second version or the 20th anniversary show. Right. So, again, we could argue. We, could yeah. argue right? we can all be subjective around what we could and what we shouldn't. But, I mean, for me, you had an intermission. So yes. a lot of songs leading into the intermission were, the, were your epic journey Metallica songs, you know, the really – powerful riffs and it's real dark and moody and it's really layered and it's it takes you on a journey so your no leave clovers your outlaw torn type tracks yes and then and then they finish with uh, halo on fire which is very that reminiscent out with the out you know, i mean really moody uh, build up into your outro absolutely amazing song but they started the second part of the the show with the orchestra orchestra related piece and it just sort of was a little bit flat. For me, I, I would have loved a blacken. For me, that's mm. really subjective, but great intro. Can you, you know, if you think about the intro with an orchestra, 
something really upbeat, something really with a high tempo level, something to really get things really moving forward. Because after the two orchestra pieces, you went into an acoustic version uh, of All Within My Hands, and then there was a, a piece by, which was actually the highlight of the show, to be honest, was um, the lead uh, the sim- lead basis of the symphony orchestra itself, Scott uh, Pingle. Mm. He did a tribute, bass tribute to Cliff Burton with Amnesia yeah. Pulling Teeth, with Lars bringing in the drums at the end, which yeah. was probably the highlight, to me, was the highlight of the show. So, yeah, I mean, there is that element, but I think the pace of the show was probably the, was probably, if I'm going to be critical and, and overanalyze it, if you want to use that word, that, that would probably be one point that I would make in and yeah. around the set. Yeah, it was great to hear Halo on Fire. I think that was, out of all the new songs, that one and The Day That Never Comes, I really like that with yeah. the symphony, the, the start of it, you know, with the clean, clean guitars. Yeah. And having that, but I thought with the, the second one as well, just from a musical standpoint, I remember James and Lars saying in the first one that they couldn't really pick the high tempo songs because it didn't really fit in with the symphony, and they had to slow the songs down to sort so, to help them sort of keep up with the with the symphony. But this time, they played like even at the end of the day that never comes it's pumping that was like you know it's really got that real thrashy sort of and and they nailed it so i don't know why they couldn't do it the first time maybe that was because of just how they were told to do it just play the songs a little not being you're talking about the most professional musicians in the world from both ends i mean surely you can make it work Yes. In, in aspects in and around trying to find the dynamics to get the, the, the mix right between the correlation of the, the two genres. I mean, I know that's really difficult, and they, and I think they're sure they're valid points. Again, I'm no musician, so I can't yeah, really yeah. out the tempo, et cetera, et cetera. But I think when you've already mentioned the day that never comes, but then when that's preceded by f- three or four other songs that very sit, uh, fit the same dynamic and song structure, Yes, that sort of they sort of filter in, into each other, which are all great. They're all they're all take you on a different type of journey, and they all have, but they all have the same type of feel. Yes, yeah, they're very dark, they're very epic. They're, they're, they, they they tell a story lyrically, um, and again, um, that was one part that I found when that through the whole show, if it, it was broken up by something really upbeat, and and I even thought yeah. you, you mentioned uh, Halo from 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 the yeah. new album. Hardwired song from Hardwired to self destruct. Just some if you want to incorporate a new a newer song. I mean, you mentioned battery again, blackened. I mean, there's mm. there's a few of uh, four horsemen. Something with a something with a bit a bit of pace and a bit of energy, just to just to add a bit of different flow and a bit of bit of perspective and dynamics through the show itself. And and even a song like like Seek and Destroy or, or something like that. Just to just to see how it goes with that sort of. It's not a fast tempo. It's got a, uh, yeah. It, I'm sure they get that question all the time. Why didn't they play Fade to Black? Why didn't they play a Sanitarium? The obvious ones that would would into with an orchestra. But uh, you know, it, 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 it was fantastic. And to be there live, I mean, it's, yeah. it's something that you'll never you forget. It's just a an iconic moment. You know? Oh, 100%. personally. From both shows, from '99 and 
2019, I took I took three photos from 2019 because I really made the effort and was conscious. Just be in the moment. Just yes. Ex- just absorb yourself in this specific time. Not sit there and film everything, etc. And the, and the, obviously the first show, there wasn't anything to take in there because you weren't allowed to. Right. So it, there you go. I mean, 1999. I mean, you you had to take in cameras, and there you you weren't allowed to take. So a whole different era. Yeah, of, right. of how you, you, we look at shows and how we experience shows. So there's that element as well and what people's expectations are. And like, I like to stand, I like to be like engaged and a lot of people want to sit down yeah. and it's, you need to sit down, mate, mate, you need to sit down. Well, wait a minute. I've traveled the other side of the world from the other side of the world. <laughs> you know, like you're at a Metallica show. Sorry. I ain't sitting yeah. down. There's no, and again, what, so what happened was, was, Everyone just had to stand up. Yeah, that's right. I, I know they can come across there a little bit, a little bit rude. No, particularly in this day and age, you have got to be careful about where you sit with those things. Mm. No, no pun intended. But in the <laughs> end, it was like I'm at a Metallica show. I want to experience it. So, very interesting. From how where can you, take... you not? How can you not stand up at a Metallica show? That that should be a written should be a I mean, written law. <laughs> That's right. So speaking <laughs> of that, we had a friend here from Australia that was showing like highlights, you know, to promote it. And all yep. of a sudden, uh, Alana was watching him the bell tolls and boom. boom yeah. Exactly. Out. <laughs> so, just, to, just to put that in perspective, they were releasing songs, song clips from the, from the album leading up to release day. So they released nothing matters i think all within my hands and then for whom the bell tolls so i just was and that they were they were actually doing it like a, a premiere based um process where they release it worldwide at, at a particular time so i i would always catch it live and again i wanted to see the editing etc and, and again i just bang you know she's front and center so i just sort of sent her a message um yeah guess who made front and center of for whom the bell tolls and it wasn't me She's like, what, what, what? Oh, oh, you know, and she was really frantic. But just on that, it was really great for her. She really love, loves that genre. And to, to be sort of, the word is immortalised on a Metallica video or mm. concert is amazing. So just to all the Melbourne militia down there, you know, stay strong. They're doing it tough. So, well, yeah, it was great to see her be rewarded, if that's the word you want to use, for, for her passion and love for, for the band and particularly yeah. those two genres. Absolutely. Not only was it Alana, but it was also watching at the end of the the concert. They they went outside. And all the the chapters got together, the fan club members, and all of a sudden they put their flags up to show where they were. And yeah. I'm just looking in to see who it was. And then smack bang in the front, uh, oh Jason from Newey, Australia. Yeah, well, again, you rightly say it was organised uh, uh, after this second show, a um, flag them all. So over the, I think it was close to 100 countries uh, were, were represented wow. at the I mean, it's amazing. So we arranged to meet after the second show and do a flag them all. So everyone with their flags and we all congregated together and it just turned into this life of its, it become this life of its own. It was amazing. All the South American fans, ole, 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 you know, metallic, nice. all singing and dancing. And, and like we stayed there a good hour, or two, good two hours after the show. 
So it was just an, another element where I said to you before, the experience, it was just something bigger or, and, and more special, you would say, than just the normal show. So all that just added to the, um, to the, to the whole experience of um, the 20th anniversary is something really special. Yeah. Now, did you do anything for just the Australian fans? I mean, I'm sure you weren't the only Australian fans at the at the show. See, I'm I'm, I have, I'm good friends with Alana and uh, her husband Daniel. Daniel didn't actually go, but um, Alana and I did just hung out together a, a little bit with a couple other friends. But no, we did the night between party. My own Facebook page group, which which you're a part of, we we had a get together. At, at Tommy's joint, the famous Tommy's joint, which is um, an integral part of Metallica history. Yeah. Those that know the band know Tommy's joint. So we had a, a get together there with my Facebook page, which was really brilliant. Again, having the opportunity to meet other next level, if you can use fans that are just so passionate and so dedicated towards the band. So that was great. So shout out to Dave Bear, who's part of the group now. He's a, one of the, he's, from from the collector end of the band and just amazing some of the things he has just pristine first pressings and um just a great guy passionate um has great history with the band so again just an opportunity to share that moment with 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 other fans yeah absolutely yeah oh, damn i wanted to go to but anyway <laughs> that's another thing oh, i'm waiting for the 30th anniversary <laughs> the 30th anniversary yeah. of, of sm3 Come on. <laughs> but, uh, but speaking of uh, the promoting of, of SNM2, and it just shocked me, I, I get this feed in my Facebook saying that Metallica are going to play before the NRL game Broncos, Broncos and Roosters. And yeah. Roosters, yeah. So, yeah, Kirk and in the in HQ with the jumpers leading up to yeah. advertise the. Not something that uh, I didn't even know they were synced up with the NRL. So, uh, tell us. You do hear Metallica in the background, or if you go to a game, you're a rugby oh, league fan. Oh. Rugby league fan. There, there, there's there's a contractual element there. So obviously yeah. they're together for mutual benefit. So Metallica obviously releasing S and M two. How can we how can we do something that incorporates primetime TV, rugby league? So let's do a. That, 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 that was that aspect, but then it was a version itself, a yeah. jamming version in HQ, yes. <laughs> yeah. which was like, what? And then yeah. just, yeah, one of the first performances that we saw in COVID era. So, exactly. yeah, amazing. And yeah. it sounded great. The band were just on fire. And uh, the one thing that, that stood out was uh, James' sound, like his voice, his vocals were just super strong. And I was yeah. like, yes, he's doing that. Well, that's, Sexy, you know, really getting up there and yeah. Pulling through, reaching. And again, it, we, we actually spoke about this because I listened to our first podcast. And again, how much rest, that, that aspect of, of pushing things to the limit and reju- being rejuvenated mentally and physically um, is a big thing in that man's life. And you, you just get a sense from it just really shows he really has that ability through his music to show that. And, and you're exactly 100% on point around that. He was just, you could tell he was alive and it was James back. Whereas yeah. if you look at SNM2, and I just watched the Blu ray for the 10th time, um, <laughs> you can tell. You can tell we spoke about it around his appearance 
yes. in that particular period when they cancelled the tour. It's a, a sign of mental health and, and some issues. And again, he was aware of it and he did the right thing. So within yeah. COVID itself, they found a silver lining. That's yeah. a silver lining for not only himself, more importantly, but the band and the longevity of the band and, and, and the fans. Now, speaking of, of which, is this a sign that they might play at the NRL Grand Final or are they... <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that would be wishful thinking, but yes. um, it's, it's a sign that there's there's a future. I mean, yes. we, we spoke about, again, getting back to the getting back to 2019, there was a, a fear of this could be the end. This, yeah, this, this could be the, the beginning of the end, particularly for James. So to see them so... and the other three members really are a lot different in personality yes. wise, etc. But James so full of life, and as you say, it's really highlighted in his performance. It was just amazing. And again, yeah. prime time, prime time on national yeah. Australian TV. I think, aside from maybe, I think the old Hey Hey it's Saturday. I'm yes. probably showing my age here, but uh, anyone that remembers Hey Hey it's Saturday, I think they did something for the Black Album. I cannot recall anything being on prime time uh, Australian TV. So that was awesome. I cranked yeah. it up and neighbours could hear it for four houses up. So it was pumping. <laughs> That's great. They're affiliated with the NRL. And for years, they've had so many petitions to play uh, for the Super Bowl. So yeah. fingers crossed they get a Super Bowl and they get a – I think they're due. They're Mate, come on. Overdue. I mean that – Overdue for the Super Bowl. But the hawk and swagger of that song, turn the volume up. You know, you get people excited. That that brings people to its feet. So if you incorporate the NRL, which is aggressive, it's, you know, it's a bit modernistic in a way, but there's still that, like, element of, yeah, let's get pumped up. And, yeah, you know, yeah, you know. So, I mean, there was that element as well. But it was just great to see them back together. Speaking of that, well, there were some disappointed fans, obviously, with uh, the tour not going ahead last year. But a great thing, a great initiative was that all the club members or all the people that had black tickets got a letter, a signed letter. Oh, um, oh look out. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, oh it's, all, it's all framed and everything. There you go. That hangs, I mean, that hangs uh, very proudly in the room of doom, I like and, to call it. And, and it definitely just shows, it just said, you know, we all understand that you spend all this time and money and effort to travel from different countries and, and hotels. And, but we understand where as soon as we get fit and healthy, we'll come back. And uh, I just thought that was great. And for anybody that, you know, that wants to sort of say anything more about that after this letter, I mean, you're a very harsh judge. <laughs> Well, I think it's a touch of class. Yes. That, that's what it is. It's a, it's, a, it's a small gesture, but it's a very classy. And some like, and anyway, any fan, and you're you're included in this, that loves the band to our, our level and are dedicated and, and, and exactly right, it just meant so much. I mean, that's a personalised letter from one of the biggest bands in the world just to say exactly what you said. We're sorry, you know, life happens. We've got a situation. We all love James anyway. Um, yeah. We'll be back. Just hang in there. We appreciate you. So, I mean, what more could you ask for? I mean, that, yeah. again, it was such a small little gesture, but it meant so much. And, and again, you're, you're so right. If, if you're going to make an issue of that, I mean, yeah. you maybe look in the mirror. Look in the mirror, <laughs> I think. 
Or I might be time to follow another band, actually. <laughs> Plenty of metal bands, you know. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and with this with this time as well, like COVID, you know, obviously when we talked last time, it was pre pre COVID. You know, bands have had to do different things to sort of in this period it sort of shut it down. So Metallica have come up with all these great ideas. So the first thing that I want to talk about is one of the first things that they did was the release of an alternative blackened version. Yes, revamped version. Twenty twenty revamped version of blackened. So, so yeah, exactly right. You're exactly right. So they're all st- all still in their quarantine hubs, their own personal quarantine hubs. So their own personal situation. So again, it was. Taking a song of Black and we all know the song Black and if those that don't know the song Black and it's the opening track of And Justice for All, it is brutal and aggressive. And I don't mm-hmm. think that opening intro into like one of the most aggressive opening tracks, and in my opinion, probably one of the best, if not the best opening tracks that they have on an album. And then taking it somewhere completely different and putting a whole different spin on it through beautiful subtleties and different layers and and and, and acoustically and, and just taking a song and making it something completely different and that's yes that takes such ability you you know yourself as a musician i mean that's something really difficult to do and i mean i admire them for doing that and that was probably the the quarantine metallica aspect that we first saw so i mean yes. it was brilliant. yeah i i loved it i loved it yeah. it was and it was again it was just like the whole nsmn thing it was just great to see him back playing as a band they went together but they were you know creating music together and uh you know just the one thing and i think we've talked about it before like uh before this podcast uh, is the obvious question is why didn't they record a new uh, a new song and 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 sorry i should have spoke about that with snm too why didn't they do a new song on snm too well, again, I think you, from from S and M two's perspective, I think you've got to factor in James's situation. Right. I mean, his time frame in and around making sure he has a lot of rest and recuperation after the two weeks on, two weeks off. Obviously, really, and then the rehearsal space to get ready for S and M two. So maybe they're just that. That was probably a time issue. Yes. At, just my just my opinion. When I think of uh, a new song within quarantine, quarantine isn't over yet, buddy. We don't know that. At that particular time, they're just like any other human being. You're adjusting to a pandemic. That's right. So, I mean, they're only human. I mean, again, you've got your own personal space. They've all got kids. They've all got families. They're all trying to find their own way in and around dealing with a pandemic. So, I mean, the expectation of, a new song's probably a little bit high in my in my observation. But then, as you rightly say, they got the got back together. And apparently that that song was something James had just done himself. So right. he'd sent that off to Lars all sort of fitted and it happened organically. And um so that was the outcome of that. But in terms of a new song, I think it might be expectations a little bit a little bit high with all that, I think. But but in saying that, they've also all of them have come out and said that they've got new material, like you know, recorded on demos, ready to go. Right, so that's that's promising. That that's 
that's a big part of where they're heading. And I think, again, about getting in the room before boys in the room is going to be the issue. So, yes. I mean, doing things separately and writing, having some riffs and, you know, having some song structure and, you know, having, in James' case, having some lyrics, again, getting all that together and doing that organically and and in the same room, which is builds a chemistry and, and a vibe of an album is going to be the challenge. But, I mean, a band of that stature and that has all the resources, I'm sure I'm very positive and um, that we'll, we'll see some new material in one, shape, one, one way, shape or form within the next year. Definitely, definitely. Now, speaking of uh, just getting off topic just for a little bit, our boys from Oz, uh, ACDC, I just... <laughs> I just want to talk about it. Brian Johnson's yeah. back, Phil Rudd's back, Cliff. Oh, it's so good, and they're going to release an album very, very soon. So, power up! Oh, I, know. I can't wait. I've heard that snippets was, uh, of it. Hearing Brian Johnson back on vocals, just oh, and the swing. Shot in the, and the, yeah. shot shot in the, the dark. Yeah, shot, shot in the dark. So they had 30, 30 second snippets. So, yes. um, I mean. I think that's sort of, oh, there's been rumours in and around them being seen in a studio in Vancouver since last year. So, yes. I mean, it's probably, again, COVID's probably interrupted a lot of that process, but to see them, again, exactly. I mean, just the riff, the hook, that puts a big smile on your face. Uh, just being, yeah, it's just great to see him back. And, like, they, they say it's going to be the last tour, but they've been saying it's the last tour for 30 years. So, I'll, I'll see it when I I'll see it when I believe it. Keep True. it going, keep it going, Angus. Uh, Keeps legacy alive, and again, you, you know what you're going to get from ACDC. That's that's the difference if we're going to talk comparative around bands. Yes. So let's get back to uh, COVID period with Metallica. So they did so they were so busy through, uh, not necessarily James, but like Lars and the boys. They were keeping busy, doing things. So. One of the first things that they uh, started to do was the, and I thought it was a great initiative, was Metallica Mondays. So I can just remember waking up every Tuesday morning here in Oz, waking up, turning on, and boom, there's a Metallica show. So, from the vault. From, from the, the vault. vault. Yeah. Metallica vault. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, that started in and around uh, March, mm-hmm. and I think they did 24 consecutive weeks. So you had... You even had the famous Lars um, Babble, where we, where he'd go on and have his spiel and his words, and you know he's such a character. And yeah, he was you know, just Lars being Lars, just really brought some light into the situation. And and they showed shows right across from eighty three, eighty four, right up until the current worldwide tour. Yes. So they covered everything, and even within that, there was a. I'm pretty sure it was a Damage Justice Tour show, mm-hmm. 1989, from Mountain View in LA. I'm pretty sure yeah. from Lars's King Quarter. Yeah, it was a it was a bootleg. And this was so, the one. This is the one where Lars come out and sung. Am I? They all swapped instruments. Lars was singing sure Am I Evil. Evil. That was I'm so pretty cool. Pretty sure it was. You're exactly right. And and there was uh, Melbourne on Soundwave yes. Tour. And she- that was for me that was one of the highlights uh, one show that i went to on the arena european europe uh, worldwide arena tour in 2017 night two in paris which was amazing so again they really brought the span that yeah across right across from a show with cliff yeah in 84 
right up to the current day or yeah. 2019. So, yeah, yeah the, 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 ones that, the ones that I really enjoyed were of that load and that load period. Just totally different. They yeah. had, had a bit of a different sound and just hearing, um, yeah, hearing the songs off the load and Bleeding Me and uh, Ain't My Bitch. You know, it was just good to hear those songs played live again. Yeah, it's really interesting conversation around that era. It sort of seems to be an afterthought. When you look mm. at current set lists, and again, I don't want to be too critical of set lists because, again, they've got such a back catalogue. And again, it can be a little bit subjective. But when it's a whole era yeah. of, of songs sort of have been a little bit pushed to the side, I wonder, wonder, what, wonder what that you'd love to sort of get into the inner sanctum to see what those are decisions about. Because you just mentioned Bleeding Me. For me, Bleeding Me is in probably the top five or six songs all time. It's such a resonates really personally and until it sleeps too or yeah. it's a, such a personal song around my own my own father so i mean I have such a strong connection and also the the aspect of the the songs themselves as you rightly say the sound the blues end of of the band the range they went down that guys like, catching on fire <laughs> yes yes non-staccato type riffs which was more blues orientated and it was a whole different sort of song arrangement then like you know songs like ronnie and you know that you would never ever really think sort of fit what you would categorize metallica to be but that's what metallica do best they challenge you to no this is not what we're not going to fit in the metal genre box and, and i think that's where a lot of the image aspects and a lot of the artistic aspects around that era was a big Bird, can I do that on <laughs> you get this out? Uh, to, we to don't the metal give a shit. <laughs> yeah, we don't give a shit. Exactly right. I ate my bitch, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it was interesting. But you're right. I mean, that was definitely one of the highlights to see, you know, Kirk's do and, yeah. you know, yeah. the whole stage show and the ends of the stage. Yeah, you're exactly right. So, I mean, they covered across their, their, their whole yeah. career, really. It was brilliant alleviate some of the boredom of of that period of time with with covid well the two ones that that stood out and the ones that i went to were the uh, the yankee stadium one where they all come out and did the motorhead motorhead song overkill but that was just a great that just brought some great memories the boys were on fire but Mm. in particularly the melbourne soundwave show that was just a great show. It was a great set. And the one that stood out for me was that when they played My Friend of Misery. Uh, yeah. It was just spine tingling. It was just, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. You're right. You're exactly right. I mean, so much, so much atmosphere and it brings such an, emo- some, such an emotional song and the bass intro and crowd participation and yeah that that was definitely i I actually found the non-new album tour was really interesting so the black album anniversary Mm. the 20-year black album anniversary european tour they did where they played the black album reverse the front which was brilliant and they also did in 2006 they did the 20-year master of puppets anniversary show which they did in berlin so they played that as well and they've done done ride the lightning as well right because i remember that they were James didn't want to play Escape. <laughs> yeah, that was actually at, at the Orion Festival in Atlantic City. Yes, so, yes. yeah, that there. So, I mean, getting back to the Metallica Mondays, that was all part of one, the, 
they showed a lot of those shows, uh, a lot of those shows as well, which was really great. Coincidentally, that Berlin show for the 20-year Master of Puppets tour had the new song, which was oh yeah, um, yeah, song. So death is not like the a, end. Death is that, not the end, which which yeah. became uh, end of the line and or nightmare long. There's elements of that. So yes. and they opened with motor breath. I think it was the first and only time yes. they opened with that. So absolutely awesome. Well, well that sound wave in Melbourne, they did the same thing. Opened up with the lights. Yes. Yeah, just the intro. Yeah, excellent, excellent song to open with. Yeah, that was a great, that great set, great show. One of the one of the best ones on. And talking about that Australian tour as well, like a couple of nights before when they played in Melbourne, I think they played must have been five or six songs from Injustice for All. So really, really good set list. And then even going back a tour before, like Death Magnetic. Like yeah, seventy or eighty different songs on that whole tour are just so cool. And, and then some of the American fans, like they do their big arena shows, and they they go back to the sort of regular, like regular sets. You know, just having the the, the standard set, the standard. <laughs> yeah, standard Bobby Lupton. Standard Bobby Lupton. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, it was over. I, I can't recall exactly the figure, but I think it was over 50 different songs across 20, 22, 24 shows in Australia and New Zealand because they actually came back three times. They actually started <laughs> in September and then they went back, had their two-week break and then came back again. And they put shows on before the original dates and they backdated certain things and it just went on and on and on. I can really? remember take, taking off work. Uh, time for work and missing certain dates because they made new dates because they sold them out and it's like continually putting dates on. So I, I ended up getting to 14 of those shows, but I know yourself and, and others actually even did even more. So crazy time, but absolutely brilliant. Absolutely I think, brilliant. I think, the, I think the only ones I missed out on that those whole tours were oh, I did the Auckland ones, but I didn't go to Christchurch. I think that was the only one I didn't do on that tour. So Metallica Monday, great, great initiative, great. Uh, I was really happy to see that, but that stopped, and then they sort of released the S and M two or some of the promotion and all that. But they did their first live show, but live show? Do you call a drive-in a live show? So tell us about this. Pandemica. That was <laughs> Pandemica. So yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. It was through. Um, their drive-in theatre outlet. So they did a pre-recorded show, no fans, just just um, staff and apparently crickets and bugs from Sonoma in California, which is a wine region. So oh, right. said that they they would finish the song and all you could hear was all the all the background noise of crickets yeah, and right. bugs, which is really <laughs> weird to hear. And you would I would never ever thought I'd mention those names associated with the Metallica show. But yes. what happened was pre-recorded. In regards to the set list, I think 16 songs, which was pretty much the greatest hits from you know, across their catalogue. But again, it was just great to see them. And that's why that was the whole concept of the show, was just get the band get back together. We're playing live again together. It's We're in the middle of a pandemic and then letting other people experience it. So that was, that was the main focus of the whole thing. Then people are uh, costs, and if people want to pay this, and 
again, anything that, that Metallica do, there's going to be, it's going to cost you money. Yes. One thing that uh, they only got to do it in North America, unfortunately. Yeah. Gonna, yeah. yeah. So that, I was just going to touch on that around the cost and then the North American aspect. And it was like, be great. There's an element of being a fan and being where you say to yourself, look, it's just just be happy with with the fact is they're back playing live. Yeah. It is what it is. If you if you're willing to pay a certain amount to go to the driving, well, that that's, <laughs> that's the issue. It's a, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Lower your expectations. It's great to see them live. Yeah, I would like to see anybody go to the US now during a pandemic. How well yes. we get there? That's crazy. Well, I mean, again, I think from that perspective. And we've spoken about it before. Sometimes when you eat with a silver spoon all the time, food starts to taste the same. Yes. So what I'm saying is you can get a little bit spoiled and your expectations just can get a little bit high. So, again, I love American fans. I love going to America to watch shows, but there is that element. And, again, that really creeped in. And from an Australian fan's perspective, it didn't get that opportunity. Yes. It was like, I think, let's sort of wall back on all that. But, again, that's Metallica fan base. I mean, yes. what can you say? That's right. You get some very, very hard, very, very hardcore fans. But speaking, speaking about about this, we're going all through the COVID uh, things that Metallica brought out figurines. Now, uh, who would have thought? Who would have yeah. thought in this period? So they're they're trying to market the Metallica brand as much as they can, and they've brought out some figurines now as well. Now, I've got it written down here that they're you might need to get the bank book out and get some money out of your account. Five hundred dollars. Is it? Is it? Is that? I think it was one hundred and twenty-five per individual. Individual, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So again, I mean, all the foil print, all the foil prints in regards to S and M two, all all the um, limited edition things in and around that, all sold out. They had all Pandemica driving theater shirts. Mad uh, Metallica Monday shirt. So everything right. they've done other than black and revamp version, they've had incorporated merchandise on top of that as well. Wow. So they had pandemic and, and, and anything will sell. Yeah, of course. I mean, so I use the word kiss Kiss Talica. <laughs> kiss Talica. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. So I mean everything's got they've got that opportunity now from a business standpoint to put their name on everything. So I mean that's that's just something you've got to accept. If if you take the metal analogy and you're selling out, well, that that that's an old boring story. So figurines, man. People want to put have a collection of have figurines and they want to pay five thousand, five hundred, <laughs> two hundred, whatever. I mean, they're going to do it because they know they're going to sell them. That's right. <laughs> and, and what did Jason Newstead say? Yes, we sell out. Oh, single shirt. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And another thing that they've uh, done uh, during this period, actually, it might have been before this. I'm not too sure. You can probably tell me about this, but the Metallica vinyl as well. Now, yes, actually, vinyl a club. club. Yeah, yeah, so tell you, us about this. So yeah, it's going back into history where they're letting, not letting, they're giving PR fans an opportunity to join a club and it, through a subscription where they release a limited edition vinyl, which is a seven inch. And again, they picked a different show, different era, et cetera, et cetera. So unfortunately, due to shipping, et cetera, they've had issues with that. So it has actually, they haven't been officially, officially released yet. So 
something to look forward to. But again, it's just another sort of little niche market that they're going into. But I like the fact is that it's giving people an opportunity to to have a, a subscription and be part of a club again. Because yes. I think we've there, there is no more club. I mean, an email, et cetera, isn't a club anymore. So there, the band has got so big that it's all inclusiveness. So I like that aspect that it's something limited and something special for a certain amount of groups. So they're limited numbers and you pay a subscription. So uh, actually, uh, nothing hasn't been officially released yet. So that should be on its way maybe by the end of this year. Right. Do you think they'll ever get back to a subscription membership? Or is that gone? I mean, I've been advocating that for the last... 10 years and that's mm. a big reason why I formed my own Facebook group in yes. regards to the legacy. Just a lot of the older members and older fans sort of got lost in a world of, of a younger generation who are good on computers and good at groups and um, good articulating on a computer and it's everyone, that, that a level of fan really got lost. So that was the reason why I started the legacy page. It is an unofficial page, but it was good to sort of bring in a whole group of of older fans and get, and get re-engaged. But again, I've tried to advocate that through the club, but um, I think the inclusiveness aspect where you have, you know, up to over a million subscribers now is, is mm. the main focus. But I mean, you can always hope that they could, they could do something from a legacy standpoint and give people an opportunity, but then yeah, they, you're going back into having levels of fans again. And I think the club sort of steered away from that, even though there is a process for legacy members and they do get, forwarded certain opportunities like signed box sets and and S&M too. Yes. Well, you, you, that was forwarded to uh, legacy members. So there is opportunities there. But if they, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they did. But I, personally, I don't think so, no. Mm. I don't think they will as well because they just want to have more people come in, whether they're, you know. Inclusiveness, inclusiveness yes. which I understand and I respect. Yes, and me too. I've got to a point where I can accept all that now. I mean, it's difficult when you've been into, into the band and you're in the club from, from, from day one and you've, mm. you've gone through a whole different range of eras and, and you've got to a point where you've been in something for 25 years and all of a sudden it's like, well, your status then automatically just means you're back to where you started. Yes. So you've just got to move on. I mean, a lot of people still hold a lot of – really hold that, as we spoke about before. Some people just won't let a lot of that is yes. go on that's unfortunate for them but you know i can move on but but i think you're right I, I don't see them doing anything like that in the future yeah absolutely and let's get close to wrapping up so there's two things that i want to talk about to finish off uh, firstly i listened to a, a eddie trunks podcast chad lars on there and they were talking about you know their careers and eddie was getting him to ring up and go hey you know what's your top two or three Metallica songs. Anyway, this was going on for days, apparently, and then all of a sudden they called up Lars and Lars ran in and he was talking about, you know, different eras of the band and, and why they sort of did the snare and St. Anger and uh, the, no, the no guitar solos. And then yeah. he finished off with, if you had a, a new person that had never listened to Metallica before, uh, what two songs would you uh, represent the band? What would you let them listen to? And he pretty much he explained the reasons why that uh, the two that he came up with was one and uh, Master of Puppets. Um, Good choice. Yeah, and he just was saying, you know, 
it's a good representation. It's like the clean yeah. guitar, the solos, the double kick, the you know the seven minute song. It, it was just Metallica. But you know, people were calling up, saying all these obscure songs that yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, well, it's subjective, isn't it? It's subjective. I mean, that's it's, right. That's it's, right. And, and people's I mean, that, opinion. That's the thing about music. That's and that's the the gift and the reality of music. It's so subjective. So, what would have you chosen? Definitely one song, "Fade to Black," without a yes. shadow of a doubt. I mean, such a connection to that song from when I first heard the band from '86 right through till till today. I'll always listen to that song. There's something atmospheric. There's something unspoken. It's intangible that you can't really explain why I have such a connection to that song. It's oxymoronic. It's a song about suicide, yet it gives you strength and gives you uh, positivity. So that definitely fade to black. Second song, wow, that can change from day to day. Yeah. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I can, I can honestly, right? <laughs> say, yeah, I can honestly say, yesterday was feel good, blackened. You know, just right. make, just pump up, yeah. You know, and then there's obviously depending on your moods that can change. Yeah. So I mean, a good represent, good representation of Metallica. I think I would say fade to black and one, right. one. Yeah, as you want to say, the clean guitar, just the vocal line into the into the outro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I mean, but in saying Lars's choices, I would never argue about those. Yeah, that's either, right. So. Yeah, that's Again, right. And, and it was <laughs> interesting too, like uh, that over in China, and they they don't even know who Metallica are. They don't know who ACDC are, which is just absolutely crazy. So, what I have done is go a different path and play the singles off the Black Album. And to yeah. Sandman, Nothing Else Matters, Unforgiven, Sad yeah. But True, and Rome. I think that's uh, also a good gauge into the band. Uh, I did the same thing. Uh, it was like sort of the Black Album songs, but then hearing one and then going back. Yeah, So, but it's, it's all interesting. I think Unforgiven 2 could be one. Um, Unforgiven, you know, just, I mean, Unforgiven yeah. for me would be my top favorite songs yeah i mean yeah, we could we could um debate all day and the, it's the quality of their back back catalog that's exactly right yeah now speaking of that you also had like a, a chart in your on your page where your legacy page where you pick the best songs from each album and yeah. then the people in, in in the group voted for their favorite song so that yeah. was also very very interesting to see the results so tell us about that yeah, so we followed a format which the actual official club did some kind of bracket. So it was basically how they formatted theirs was through the seeding process, popularity through their streaming and downloads, etc. So a lot of the Black Album songs were seeded really high. What we did was we did each individual album and the rates off those albums to, to determine the seeding. And we got to 32 songs, including the two songs of S&M, original minus human and no leaf clover and then we added beyond magnetic which was they were leftover songs from death magnetic right so did a song bracket each song against each other and we ended up with uh two songs at the end so but the final four were coincidentally two songs from ride the lightning which were fade the black and creeping death and orion which is um their instrumental from master of puppets the winner was creeping death and it was very marginally different. Again, you can't take it all too seriously. 
But in the end, it was very, very interesting to yes. see the difference between the two. Yeah, absolutely. And just I know that the day that never come was there for a little while as well. And No With Clover was in the there for a little while as well, which was, yeah. was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, it's just interesting to see what some of the hardcore fans are like. We was talking about it before that NSM and wasn't even close. No, argue, it, argue it, their biggest song. Well, definitely their most popular song, but I think w- when you get to that level of fan, it, it's sort of we've heard that song so many times. <laughs> That's right. There's an actually better song. And coincidentally, NSM didn't even become in the, the voting process for the Black Album. So I think right. the God that failed and maybe uh, the Unforgiven went through out of, out of the Black Album. So, again, you know, popularity mightn't always be the best thing. Mm, exactly. Yeah. But I want to leave off with, with one thing, and it's happened very, very recently. Sort of like the So What magazines that we used to get uh, as, yeah. a fan, as a fan club member. I used to wait very patiently to get my new So What uh, in the mail. But uh, Stefan Shirazi, is that how, how you say it? Yeah. Yes. Very lovely yeah, guy. I've met him uh, twice now. Couldn't be a nicer guy to me. Uh, always uh, up for a chat. But he, was yeah. it James or the band? No, it's a series of interviews with the band, but right. James is one that just got released right. uh, yesterday. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so you, you've already read this. So, uh, what does it entail? Well, it just goes through James's process from making the decision into uh, rehab. It doesn't go into specifics, but that time in his mindset, and then it goes into the pandemic and goes into um, getting back together as a band. So it's sort of spread across that time frame really insightful and he's such he's in his honesty so even himself suggested that the band went too far in in regard with shows and how far they push things on this current tour and he was quite open and honest about it so again just being clear-minded and and being honest with himself around his addiction and he he was hiding things from people that he he's close in the sanctum and he was very honest about that and then he went into his anxieties and his fears in and around are performing again. And one of the most poignant, one of the most, I would say, insightful parts of the interview was he's actually had, actually had to stop writing because he has so much material that he wants to make sure other members of the band get some of their ideas. Right. So that right. was a really bit that I took out. So, I mean, he's found time, and I said this before, around the silver lining within COVID timeframe to get himself rejuvenated, get himself through his addiction issues. He's had time to rest and then he's found naturally back to his, his love for writing and, and being a conduit for music. That was his word, being a conduit and that's his gift and he wants to share that. So that's just great news for a Metallica that's fan. That's, probably, yeah. that, that's massive news. So that's brilliant to hear, particularly from James. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. He's steering the ship. <laughs> he, and, and it's so, so cool that they're even yeah. thinking about writing new music and, and yeah. touring again, and that's just really inspiring. All right, mate, what are the plans then? What are the plans for the future for Metallica moving forward after post-COVID? Well, that's hopefully, firstly, some new material. Yeah. I mean, by the way, that interview and other members of of the band of saying they're all got material. So 
best case scenario is getting the band together. They have to be in the same room, I think, that, that band to Absolutely. actually produce music. So I think, again, they're at a level where they can, they can make that work. Um, again, depending on the virus itself and in regards to where we head with that, we'll sort of dictate shows. But I definitely think new material is something that's, that's definitely in the pipeline in the next year to yeah. six months. I mean, if, if they don't have any shows, they've really relatively got nothing else to do. It's just about making sure that they're safe and they feel safe. And James did mention that about getting back together and, and being in a safe environment to be, be creative together. So, right. I mean, that's, that's something that we could all look forward to. And let's be positive, and that's what we can look forward to. As for live shows, I think... They've still got dates there on, yeah. on the, on the web, official website saying they're going to play in South America and one show in the U.S., that, yeah. That's highly so, unlikely. Yeah, so the, the American date is from the Demi, Denny Wimmer Consortium concert. Oh, consortium. right, right. They, they had five festivals booked for this year that were cancelled. The last date was in Sacramento, which they've backdated to October of next year. They've actually formally announced Metallica are going to double headline that. Mm. The other four... They've actually given people an opportunity to reimburse their ticket or take the option for next year, have it announced at Metallica or playing. So that's a little bit complicated, I know. But the one date, the October date, has actually Metallica performing officially. So that's very interesting, very optimistic. But we live in a very strange world at the moment, mate. Who knows what's around the corner? So being positive, it'd be great to have a show to look forward to. But I think the new material is probably one that's probably more around the next six to eight months before we look to October next year before any new shows. That's great. Um, How good would it be to have another album out uh, before they uh, can start touring again? That would be just fantastic. On, fantastic. on the back, on the yep. back of S&M 2 as well, you know, the band's just on, be on fire if, the, if they were able to do that. That's, that's just... And, and I would... I would make the assumption that Australia would be very, very high oh, on the yes. list of oh, yes. first. And and I think that was one thing about the interview with James was um, he was very um, upfront and honest about just how far they push things and they come to realise that they've pushed things too far from his perspective, mm-hmm. which is very yeah. open and honest that the two weeks on 10-day shows, a, day, a show every second day and then two-week break, well, wasn't enough because he felt when he got back he couldn't he, he was very open with his connection with people and his yes. connection with his family because all he wanted to do was come back and sit on the lounge mm. so i mean he's in he's, he's closing in on 60 people have yeah. got to remember that it's a fine balance so i think one thing i will say looking towards metallica in the future is long tours big massive tours will probably always be the case but they will be shorter and shorter blocks and yes. um, and we can expect a couple of months in between, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, I think that will probably be the main difference as we go forward. So the thing is, mate, they've been saying that for 20 years and then you look at yes. look at the tour dates and it's just, oh, my God, it's going to go for two or three years. And they say, they've been saying it since the Black Album that they're going to shorten their dates, that it's going to be less less touring, more, more uh, albums bring out, but it's very difficult. That's <laughs> when you on the back of uh, their most successful album since the hub struck, I mean, there was always going to be that point where there was going to be 
a necessity, a necessity in certain markets. So you're you're back you're back flipping stadium dates to arenas yeah. between Europe and America, which probably in hindsight probably wasn't the smartest thing to do. So you because you've missed certain things and now you've got to make catch up dates and you know you've got you've got promises in other and commitments in in other countries. So. South America's screaming for him. Japan screaming for him. Australia, New Zealand, Australia, New Zealand are screaming for him. Yeah, that's what happens when you're the biggest band in the world. Everybody want, 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 want. Give me more. Give me more. You know what I mean? <laughs> that, that was the one thing about what James has said is they've got to, there's got to be a point where you say no, and you've yes. got to be smarter in and around. You know how you set those things up. What that is, I have I have no idea. But I mean, obviously, he's making the point that. It just went too far, and the outcome. And he openly admits when he looks at himself in S and M two, where he was and what place he was in to get through those shows, which was um again very insightful and very honest. Which I think, from an addition standpoint, is what you need. So I mean, he's already at that place where he's honest with him and transparent within himself. So I mean, that's just how James is, and I really respect that about him. So, from a Metallica fan, I think I can quite easily accept the fact is you mightn't see them two or three or four times a year, but that opportunity you do get, you're going to take even. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it keeps their longevity moving forward in a positive way. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, absolutely. And now, Jace, uh, give us a poll, uh, Facebook. Well, it's uh, Met Club Legacy members. It's called Legacy Remains. So if you're a Legacy member on or through the official page, uh, hook up on Facebook. And again, you can be part of the group. It's great uh, engagement in, in regards to um, uh, Legacy members. Um, again, it's open to everybody. There's no real protocols to follow. It's not real. There's no serious elements. A lot of history involved. I love yes. to advocate certain dates, anniversaries. It's really important to acknowledge those things. It is difficult in this time with nothing moving forward, but again, it's an opportunity for an older member particularly to sort of re-engage. So just check it out. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it so is. I think being awesome, buddy, always. Not necessarily for everybody, but uh, if you, like you said, if you are a legacy member, get in there and, and have a look and uh, you get to meet all the fans from around the world that are got a passion for metallica so love talking 100%. to you all the time jace i love talking metallica with you let's catch up very very soon and love you. Uh, talk to you soon mate thanks for love thanks for the chat okay you, bye hi i'm nigel the shanghai psychic i can tune into your loved ones in the spirit world but i can also tune into you tell you about your path and the choices that you need to make and need to know I'm currently giving 30% discount on all Tell Craig Your Story listeners. Just use the code Tell Craig Your Story for 30% off your first psychic reading with me online at Nigel the Shanghai Psychic.